and welcome to the Not A Game podcast. This is issue or edition or version number whatever the hell it is. 3041. 40, 30, That's fine. We'll go with that. Um, today with me are regular Tom Hatfield. Hello. And freelance podcast guest extraordinaire Laura Rich. <gasps> Hello. And that I'm sounds good. like we're paying her, but we're not. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> Emphasis on free. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my CV. Yeah. Oh, do you want me to recommend you on LinkedIn? <laughs> I, I didn't actually realise I had a LinkedIn, but someone tried to like add me on there the other day, and I'm like, what? I've got a LinkedIn. Oh wow. Yeah. No, I've definitely got a LinkedIn, and <laughs> I. But the thing is, like, none of my friends take it seriously, so I end up getting recommended for like freelance lawyering and stuff oh, like wow. that. And I'm like. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Why oh, not? That, that could be really fun. Yeah, rapping, things like that. It used <laughs> to be awesome, but now, like, I think you have to have pre-selected the qualities so people can just, like, vote whether you're any good at them, which is really annoying because oh. it used to be, like, clout. You know, like, on um, clout where you would say that someone was an expert in sausages and things like that. <laughs> just, it would be fine. Um, yeah, I, I basically did that on LinkedIn because I'm a grown-up, and that's of fine. Course. Um, but yeah, no, you can't anymore. And now they send you stupid emails about people having their work anniversary. And I'm like, that's not a thing. <laughs> that's just a year of being employed. And I know that, like, in this current economic climate, maybe, but well, I still, <laughs> I think it's one of the only things there isn't a card for. <laughs> maybe I should do that. Well, be right back. I'm starting a business. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I've done that thing where we don't talk about games for a good, like, few minutes. Uh, Laura, what have you been playing? (laughs) So, I have been playing a lot of Dark Souls 2. And a lot of StarCraft, obviously, because that is just what I do. Um, Have you guys played Dark Souls 2 at all? I haven't, but Craig was telling me all about it a few podcasts ago, so I'd be really interested to sort of see how different your experience of it has been, or like what you've thought. Yeah, a lot of people have their different approaches. Like, um, I remember when we talked uh, to Keza about Dark Souls 1, and she had a very different perspective on it than Craig does. Right, yeah. Uh, But probably, I probably have um, an odd one, because I tend to do that. But um, I really enjoyed, I finished one playthrough. So, mm. so after um, after that, you can go into New Game Plus where you just carry your character over. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. I just felt like there was something just slightly missing, but I couldn't pinpoint what, because it was still great and it was still huge and it was still pretty and really mm. fun. But now I've gone over into New Game Plus it's starting to click with me because I'm kind of uncovering more things and there are little nods back to the original Dark Souls, which I loved with all my heart. And I'm really starting to get into it now. And also um, co-op is working a lot better in New Game Plus than it did in my first playthrough. Because mm. that, that was a real pain trying to get um, summon signs because you, you have to um, put your summon sign down and then your friend will see the summon sign appear in their game and then you summon them. And that, I tried for ages with a couple of friends to try and get them into each other's games. But in New Game Plus, it's just working straight away. And it's brilliant. It's one of the most fun co-op games I've ever played. Mm. But, That's awesome. Yeah. 
yeah, it's really fun. Um, is it just because they've made amendments, or is New Game Plus like actually different to the first playthrough? Like, I I don't know what what the difference is between the two. Um, New Game Plus is harder, mm. um, but in the in um, my first playthrough of Dark Souls Two, there was uh, something called Soul Memory, which uh, recorded every soul you'd collected. So your soul memory needed to be within 10%, possibly something like that, to the person that you were trying to summon. So it was easy to get random summons summons in because they were more likely to be around your level, but trying to play with friends was a pain. And I think that it doesn't matter in New Game Plus. I think that you can just be summoned by someone that's... They have to also be in New Game Plus, but it doesn't matter what their soul memory is or what their level is. Mm. And it's been really fun because... I am such a poser and I think I'm really great. So being able to show off my skills and my, like, look at my sword. I've got a lightning katana. And things like, look at my outfit. I've got this really great outfit that you only get when you've got really high faith. And I've only ever seen one other player wearing it. And I was not happy about that. <laughs> it's like when you turn up at a party and someone else is wearing your dress you're like and they, oh. just, they were using the same weapon as me as well and I'm like look mate stop trying to be me I mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but yeah you usually only co-op with people um, for bosses a lot of the time you can go through the level with them but um, usually you put your summon sign down in front of a boss gate and then you help them with the boss and then you do a gesture like a praise the sun or a war cry gesture, and then you disappear. But with with friends, obviously, you're going through it more and more. Like we're doing most of the level, so it's really cool. Is that like the basic etiquette? Like, are there a lot of different gestures that you can make to people, and they've just like selected that as the the basic one, or is there like only really one way of? Well, you up? have to bow when you when you're summoned into someone's game. You bow. If you don't bow. That means you're not a very nice person. I don't know if I can swear. Um, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you can. If you don't bow, you're a prick, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, if it's you... not really a swear word. Is it not? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Maybe I overuse it. <laughs> I'll have to try harder. But, see, you, you bow at the start, and then you go through the game. You, you kill some bad guys. You kill the boss. And then after you've killed the boss, you, I mean, you... Most people bow again, or you can do like other more silly gestures and things like that. So, mm. yeah, everyone loves the gestures. Um, there's this uh, etiquette for dueling where you can be invaded by other players, and you're kind of supposed to bow beforehand, mm. not attack, because when you're bowing, you're vulnerable and you can be attacked. And but I like when invaders don't bow because it makes them seem just more evil. Mm. I think I like it when people stay in character in Dark Souls. I really like that there's no voice chat because you can assume that they're a nice person <laughs> when they're helping you and they're not just some annoying 13-year-old that's shouting like, Mom, I don't want to take the bins out, or, you know. <laughs> this is reminding me of... Um... It sounds the, like Jedi Knight. Yes, the the classic bit of Jedi Knight uh, 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 game journalism um, about a guy yeah. uh, encountering a racist in a Jedi Knight dueling game. Yeah. Mm. 
But yeah, it's like, because I think it's just very human to sort of set up those codes of behavior <laughs> and stuff like, you know, I mean, even in stuff like Hearthstone, where you've only got a very, very limited palette of things that you can say, you do look like a bit of a prick if you don't say hello, you know, when <laughs> you when you start or, you know, things like that. Definitely. Um, I've been playing quite a bit of Hearthstone too. I've actually uh, uninstalled it because <laughs> I was playing a bit much of it. It's still on my iPad, mm. but I've got a teenage daughter, so I don't get on my iPad very often. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I've uninstalled it from the PC just because I'm just I'm just not good at it, you know. And it's bothering me that I'm not progressing, so I feel like I'm probably wasting my time with it. Uh, okay. Like, I just don't love it. Like, I started playing it and I started playing um, Netrunner around the same time. And I just find Netrunner a lot richer, a lot more interesting. There's a lot more variety. And I really like playing against people in person because with, you know, I do play against friends sometimes when we're on Skype. But usually you're just sort of sat there and, and at the moment it sort of feels like the game... It's a bit stale as well. Like you'll sort of encounter the same types of play again and again. And so I just sit there and feel like there's no real human on the other end of it. Like it, you know, you can sort of see them making mistakes sometimes, but you just sort of feel a bit, oh, well, you know, I might as well be playing against different difficulties of AI most of the time. It's just not interesting or human in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, a lot of like in-person card games and stuff like that, there's... It's so much just about joking around and bluffing, and uh, and it's not even even if you know you could communicate more with people on Hearthstone. If there was voice chat, it still wouldn't work the same way because you're not like because uh, you, you, you know you're not you're making eye contact really. Yeah, mm. they can't see if you're smirking or not. <laughs> yeah, you know those bits where, especially with Netrunner, where someone's doing like a, a you're playing Jinteki and someone's debating whether to do a run on one of your things and you're just like oh, it could be an agenda it could be brilliant it could be a trap ah. you just sit there <laughs> grinning at them yeah and just and trying your level like, best to put them off oh crap and then you're going yeah I'm just g- I'm just gonna leave this card here completely unattended do you fancy it <laughs> but yeah like so I, I get a lot more out of I I think I would enjoy Hearthstone a lot more if I wasn't playing something that I found so much more engaging and interesting yeah. and human yeah that makes sense because yeah like I only started playing Netrunner like a little after I, I had access to uh, early access to Hearthstone and so like it it was interesting until I yeah started getting into the other thing I was like well yeah I can kind of see room it for one. shortcomings <laughs> so yeah but there was yeah like I was playing a bit uh, again the other day and sort of you know you go back to it and you're like oh maybe I misjudged it and then I just say like, I'm just not I, you know like I clearly understand a lot more of it now because yeah. you know I've played it a while and sort of seen the strategies and worked out how my cards kind of work together but I just I can't be bothered playing it enough that I get a big enough card library and I'm certainly not wanting to spend money on it so yeah I'm not spending any money on it um people do say that it's not pay to win but because you can pay and get packs of cards and never get a really great one but the games where I have faced rarer cards I have lost to those rarer cards like I can be winning the whole game and then they'll just place this like 12 damage 8 health card and that's me lost 
The thing about booster packs as well is there's kind of an exponential like pay to win card. Like I mean, um, we were talking about Netrunner, and Netrunner specifically doesn't do that, uh, whereas Magic the Gathering does. But Netrunner uh, has like specific expansion packs, and you buy that, and you'll all get the same cards. Oh wow! So uh, admittedly, if someone has bought the expansion pack and you haven't, they have more options than you. But mm. if you but if you both kept up to date, you know you're both on a level playing field. There's no like randomization. Yeah. Um, and though, like, and when there is, when it is a random booster pack, like the person who's prepared to buy loads of them will probably have better cards. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, I. This is not to say that there's anything against it, and I know a fair few people who've got super into it. And I, I attended um, that. I think I talked about it on here before the Netrunner, uh, the uh, Hearthstone tournament at. Um, Rezzed, and it was you know interesting watching people play and, and how much they'd clearly discussed it with their friends and people like leaning over and giving advice and you know things like that which was really cool and clearly like you know there are ways of playing it that you get that sense of community and stuff but they're just not the ways that fit with how I end up playing it or encountering yeah. it so yeah I've very much not it's kind of a weird thing with card games as well because you know they're they're so well suited to that like to to be played you know um in person and although they can work well online um i can get all sorts of different experience other experiences when i'm playing video games um and so i'm not kind of i'm kind of unsure as to why you know if i'm going to do the card game thing i'd rather do it in person I, i don't know it's um Whereas with video games, I could be doing something that I just couldn't possibly do in a pub in person. See, I don't know if I'm playing it because I really enjoy it or just because it's there and I can have it windowed and do other things at the same time. Because I've got a super short attention span. I think that's how I ended up playing a lot of other sort of similar games. You know, like I would end up playing a lot of um, Solitaire or whatever just because I'd be playing it while also watching something on iPlayer or also (laughs) doing, you know, like sorting out a... This is where my giant football manager habit basically comes from because it's the perfect alternate window thing. It doesn't even have any sound. Mm. (laughs) Um... Like I do it with um, Fallen London a lot, but that's more, you know, like, so you'll make, I don't know, your 10 moves or whatever. Um, It's like a, it's a really cool little uh, story game, uh, browser based. Um, And what you do is you're sort of like investigating mysteries and going to all these like weird and wonderful places. And the text um, side of it is really good, really sort of evocative. Um, But you know, so it's one of those ones where you can pay to get more moves if you run out in the time frame, but they regenerate mm-hmm. over time. So what I do is like I'll have like a break from work. I'll, you know, do a few things in that. I'll leave it open in the tab and then come back once all of my moves have refreshed, once I've finished writing a feature or finished like transcribing an interview. Is that your reward? Of- yeah, and, and the fact that it just sort of gradually regenerates over time means that it's not constantly distracting me because I mm. know that I'll need to wait. But yeah. it's just, yeah, it's it's another one of those things where you can sort of have it over to one side and dip in and out. Mm. Um, yeah. It's um, it's interesting, actually. I mean, um, I think there's a tendency to look down on the idea of games as a pastime like that because, because occasionally people... There are definitely games that try and be manipulative with that half-informing thing, and there's a thought that if you aren't soaking yourself into it, then it's not worthwhile. But I, 
yeah, those games, uh, I wouldn't think any less of them. They're still great games. They're just enjoyed in a very different way. I think that that opinion is is becoming less simply because casual games are such a a massive, like, um, so many people are playing them. They have that audience. It's more just that the perhaps that the people that play them habitually aren't the people that we encounter in our line of work. And so there's an awful lot of snobbery, but actually what (laughs) happens is that's confined to a tiny pocket. And what's happening is the majority of the population are like, yeah, I play a lot of Candy Crush or yeah, I play a lot of Bejeweled or, you know, and it's, it's sort of just thought of in a different way. Perhaps they're not even really thought of as games. They're more just a thing to do while I wait or a thing to, kill some time on my commute or something like they're probably more just thought of as like almost like in the same bracket as you know a trashy magazine that you pick up or you know a a book that you read on the loo or something Uh, I was meant to actually ask you about uh, Fall in London because uh, I wrote this thing about uh, Storium for RPS recently and a few of the people in the comments mentioned Fall in London as having some similar ideas Mm. Uh, but I hadn't really played it before so I was going to ask you about it uh, well, it's going to be one of those annoying situations where I haven't played the one that you were writing about, so <laughs> I am not sure whether I can help you with mm-hmm. that. If you had like <laughs> questions, then... well, no, I was just um, I, I just wanted to know a bit more about Fallen London, to be honest. It's like you're sort of set in it, it's set in this like underworld. Uh, it's kind of um, quite sort of uh, Victorian Londonish kind of. Um, with and so what you're doing is you know you're you're able to pursue different like lines of inquiry you can um you can decide to investigate things uh you know that come up on your radar you can just be like oh, okay that sounds really interesting you know someone will, sorry I'm not really making this clear like someone will come and ask for your help and you'll be like oh, okay uh yeah that sounds cool I'll you know follow along and I'll um go and talk to these people and so you'll have like these little quests like uh I was I think I was trying to find somebody who had gone missing like some sort of uh celebutant kind of you know like debutant kind of um uh, rich guy's daughter basically and pursued the the storyline and uh it turned out that she had fallen in love with a sculptor and so you'd sort of, you know, you'd uh, try and find out more about that and, you know, whether he'd done something bad or, you know, whatever else. And I think, I can't remember, it was quite a long time ago, but I think, like, I found them under the city and they were trying to, like, turn themselves into a sculpture so that they could be mm. together forever or something. And you had to choose, you know, whether or not you, like help them or you know we're di- you know so you do have choices and there are sort of these really sort of weird and curious and awesome little stories that unfold and then there's you know just uh, locations that you can explore you know like there's a, a kind of a fairgroundy kind of thing and you earn all these like slightly weird objects that you can then you know like there's pearls that you get for completing certain quests or you know whatever else but they're they're quite interesting objects that you know so it's not just like oh you have collected I don't know five gold and three lock picks or something it's like you know you've 
collected some mysterious pearls and you've managed to pick up some I don't know like tear ant honey or you know like I don't it, that's just off the top of my head but um yeah like just there's a, a richness of environment and language that I really love and so I just I like having these little stories that unfold um I, I think there's like you know overarching sort of longer term stuff and the stuff that you can do if you get friends involved and stuff like that so there is you know an element of um you know trying to get people to spend money or spread the word and stuff like that but yeah I just I really like it I know on um RPS as well that Adam is a big fan Adam Smith um so yeah like yeah it's just it's really worth um having a poke around and seeing if if you like it sounds pretty interesting did they, did they do a thing all about where they released their like interactive fiction engine that other people could use Possibly. This is I know that at the stuff. moment they're focusing on um, Sunless Sea, hmm. and I think they released the trailer for that. Did they? Have I made that up? Mm-hmm. Uh, one moment, I will just find out. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, that was really great. I, I know that they've worked. I think they've used the Story Nexus platform for other things. But I don't know whether it's open source or not. No, I can't remember. It's just something I vaguely recall Richard Corbett talking about at some point, maybe. I don't know. Mm. Uh, no, I, I've, I've heard, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard like interesting things that are said around sort of people mentioning it occasionally. I've also thought it's the kind of thing I should probably take a look at. Hmm. Hmm. Do But yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, that could be my new hearthstone because I'm kind of lost right now <laughs> doing things on my computer and it's not enough stimulation. <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. And then we can like be friends on oh, okay. it in, in real life. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, at the moment. Um, no, the opposite better. of real life, Pip. <laughs> <laughs> it counts. Stop it. <laughs> but yeah, Fail Better are now working on Sunless Sea, which looks really interesting. Oh. And yeah, I've just checked on their site and they've put the trailer for it on um, on their Steam Greenlight page. So have a look. I thought be, I thought Greenlight people were going to stop using Greenlight, but games still keep going on there because it, it felt like it was going to stop and then it didn't. <laughs> I think until it goes away entirely or until Valve say what they're going to do about it, then, mm. you know, it, I guess it makes business sense to carry on yeah. using it. Yeah, it seemed like there was this kind of you know. awkward moment of, well, here we go, almost all the games in Greenlight are now actually going to be on Steam. It's it's all over, folks. And then, like, mm-hmm. two weeks later, it's like, oh, this hasn't gone. Well, I've got a game coming out. I guess I should put it on there. Well, the thing is, I think Sunless Sea has been around for a while anyway, so it's it's not like it's um, they've only just popped it on there. So, yeah, I think it had, yeah, like it had a Kickstarter a while back. Uh, like that uh, midway through last year maybe that sounds about right yeah yeah so yeah cool and you were saying that you have gone back to the starcraft oh god mm. yeah yeah i didn't forget <laughs> the, the problem the I hell, was having... Laura, what the hell <laughs> i was having the problem with starcraft when i last spoke to you mm. where i wasn't getting good at it and so I whined and moaned and uninstalled it. And then. You also said that you were worried you might get RSI as well. <laughs> well, that's okay now. I forgot <laughs> about that. 
<laughs> I started wearing um, fingerless gloves to play it. So I think it was just because I was, you know, like when you're on the computer and your, your mouse hand always gets cold. Yeah. I think it was yeah, something to do enough. with that. All right. <laughs> after a break, I went back in and I well, I watched a lot of the the StarCraft Pro games and things while I wasn't playing. Mm. And and then I went back in and then I I kind I'd kind of leveled up. I think a lot of things had fallen into place in my brain and it just it felt easier and I got a promotion mm. and I felt that I was steadily getting better, so I didn't need to play it as often as I had been before. So now I'm okay with, like, just playing it maybe two or three nights a week, if that, because I'm secure in my... I feel like I I don't have to try as hard. But yesterday, not yesterday, the day before, one of those days, I can't remember, I, um, I got another promotion, and it's, like, the highest I've ever been, and that was my ultimate goal to get to that rank by the end of the year and I've done it now and so it's gonna get difficult again (laughs) (laughs) what rank are you at the moment I'm in platinum league right now oh wow so there's a there's a few above so it's not great but I kind of see platinum as the point where I feel like okay well it's impressive enough to people that don't play but also it shows I've got potential, mm. you know, because if I've hit that, then I can I can do anything. I'm, <laughs> I can get higher. So but we'll see. Awesome. We'll see. I have I haven't played since I got the promotion because I'm just <laughs> terrified. It's going to be <laughs> horrible. Mm. But you've got what's it after? It's Diamond, isn't it? Yeah. And then you've got Masters League and then you've got Grandmaster, which are like the top 200 players. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy with Diamond. If I could get to Diamond, I would I would you know that my life would be complete. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was because you were watching so much when you were like taking a break, because like. Yeah. One of my friends was or has always said that um, if you like this is to do with Dota, but that's just because we happen to play that. Um, that if you only play the games that you play and don't ever look outside that, don't ever look at professional games, then you're only mm. ever going to practice being bad or at least practice ah, being yeah. your level. Yeah. And then as soon as you start watching other people, you start seeing what they're doing differently and start picking up on things you'd like to try or different ways to improve your game or at least just switch things up a bit yeah definitely um I I do credit that with helping me to get my uh promotion before this one Mm. um and then um what was it gonna say I don't know I lost my train of thought but because I was thinking about this really cool match that I saw where uh banelings which are like exploding creatures Mm. you can you can burrow them underground so that they'll explode when they get walked over Hmm. so that was just like a really inspiring game I um because I really only got into Starcraft when I started watching it because like my friend would come and visit and put Starcraft on YouTube and it's just really watchable even Mm. if you don't know anything about the game you can tell what's going on you can tell who's winning and you can tell who's killing what and that's I was like oh hang on this looks really fun I want to do these things that I can see on the screen Mm. so I think I'll have to have another mass StarCraft pro game watching session before I venture back in. (laughs) You could have a load of people around, make an evening of it. Oh, I would love to, Philippa, I would love to. (laughs) 
Well, if you want to watch some of it online, let me know. I'd be yeah. up for that. Yeah, Definitely. why not? <laughs> Awesome. get you hooked on it my friend's trying to get me into league of legends but i'm just like i really want to be good at starcraft and i can't devote <laughs> any less time to it but i did uh i have tried to play some street fighter on mm. online oh it's so bad it's so laggy <laughs> it's upsetting because ultra's oh, coming no. out soon and i'm thinking right i want to get back into street fighter because i want to be able to compete in ultra with my friends and things but it's just so bad online and everyone's like oh well you need to play locally with people and I'm just thinking I live in the I live in the South Wales Valleys there's no one here <laughs> is this the part where you get your daughter into it <laughs> oh I, no she won't she won't she's but with her she's teenage just... reaction times as well you know that that might backfire anyway she might be really good at it damn it <laughs> she probably would she probably beat me up <laughs> Oh man, I've never got into like fighting games properly, like at all. I just, yeah, I didn't have the interest when I was growing up, and yeah, like, <laughs> and now, oh. you know, there's so many people who just sort of had that muscle memory, yeah, from when they were kids, or like they know the combos or whatever, and I'm just sat there going, eh. <laughs> I was always the guy who visited like other people's houses and then played fight games against them and lost horribly because they had the game and they've been playing practicing the whole time. Mm, there's a place for that though because people like you were saying earlier about you really enjoy like posing and showing off how good you're at the game Laura like I, my brother was really bad with that but it meant that I got to play because he'd be like so do you want to do you want to match and I'd be like well I'd quite like to play on the console so I guess so and he'd be like right I've practiced killing you <laughs> oh. oh I'm such a bad winner as well Oh, really? like, I'm a, I'm not so when I lose I'm like oh okay you know good game you know all polite yeah. well played and then when I win I'm like ha in your <laughs> face <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah, I think there's a place a for that thing. I think that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually do that, I don't think. Maybe I should. Maybe I that's what's missing in my life. <laughs> Maybe I should gloat more. <laughs> well, you know, it's like of all the ways that I'm in- unpleasant in video games, that just isn't one of them. Mostly I'm just a dick in so many other ways. Uh, I'm always really quite apologetic when I win, mostly because it's usually luck. Uh, like we were talking about card games earlier, I have this weird tendency to like... The first time we play a card game when no one really understands the rules, I accidentally just completely decimate someone. First time I ever played Netrunner was against um, Tom Senior, and he did. He was playing the Shapers, the one that can do yeah. like a three-card run on your HQ. Is it on your deck? Uh, R and D, not HQ. Okay. Uh, and he did that, and I was playing Jinteki, and he just picked up two snares, which instantly messed him. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing the Criminal deck and the. Um... Oh, who is it? Like, uh, I really like the criminal Bioroid and Jinteki, like, exclusively at the moment, actually. Like, just because I don't get to play it much. Because there's, like, there's, like, one or two evenings a week that I could go to. But with work, like, and with where I live in London, it's just such a hassle. So, like, I say that I really love Netrunner, and I do. It's just I don't get to play it nearly as much. And so, yeah. You need to get more people playing on Octagon, because I don't really have that many people to play with. Mm, that could be cool. Um, Let's see what my friend Sai wants to as well. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoy the um, criminal deck. It's got because it's 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 sneaky and it involves basically going around people's defenses rather than busting through them, and it's just it's just a troll deck really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, what would have you been playing then, Tom? Uh, I know that you moved house, so you might have just been playing moving boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of restricted what I've been doing. Um, what have I been playing lately? Um, this is going to be awkward. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that isn't that much I can talk about. What was the first system that you set up when you moved on? <laughs> uh, that's my PC. In fact, we still don't have the consoles running because uh, it turns out we don't have anything to... We don't have, like, a stand to put our TV on. <laughs> <laughs> when I was previously having internet problems at my old house. So that's become my go-to. Like, the internet isn't working. I can't play any online games. I'm just going to go into the other room. Uh, and I can't download any other games that I suddenly want to play the moment the internet <laughs> is turned off. So I'm just going to go to the other room and play uh, Uncharted. Because um, I didn't, I missed most of the PS3 era because I had a 360 instead. Yeah, me too. Um, it's really interesting. You can immediately see why those games are talked about as cinematic, mm-hmm. and it's nothing to do with like big showy spectacles or anything. It's like, you, like the very first uh, cutscene. It's like, wow, oh wow, they've actually thought about where they put the camera and how people interact and how to like, uh, how to block the scene and. Um, you know, make sure that it's energetic so that people are like someone's fiddling with a camera while they're talking, they're not just standing there and talking at each other static. Um, mm. It's uh, yeah, it's really well designed in that respect. It's the thing I'm kind of into. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, partway through Uncharted Two. That's about as far as I've got um, because um, you know the PS3, you can't change your PSN ID, and I hated my ID so much. <laughs> That I just had to make a new one, and I've I haven't gone back to the old one. So if I want to continue Uncharted Two, I have to go back to my old ID, which is really annoying. Or I have to restart, and I probably will restart other than go back. <laughs> uh, what was wrong with your old ID? Yeah. What is it? I, know, I wait, can't probably, even tell you. You probably can't say it because it all. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know, okay, I was younger. Or... We all were. <laughs> and I've grown up, well, not much, but enough. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I don't really have that much to contribute that I've been playing recently. I had a, ga- uh, had a game of Apocalypse World, the pen and paper RPG yesterday. That's about it. Uh, which I think I've spoken about before. I really, um, I, I really love it. It's a really interesting game and in how it thinks about narrative um, in how like the the uh, the games master that's running the game basically has a list of things that could happen. If you f- and instead of rolling dice to decide what they want to do, they'll respond to you failing a ro- uh, failing a roll by announcing something like uh, you're captured or <laughs> one of your things breaks or something bad happens in another place. So they can just <laughs> decide from the list whatever they like. Yeah. So it kind of but it, the way it's built between that. Um, and obviously you're, you're supposed to link it together, kind of leads it to a really emergent storytelling. So it's not just mm. like doing a bunch of stats and, you know, ticking down your health bar. It's like, it, it you know, pu- it, you push the plot in other directions when things happen. I'm just wondering if they can just pick on you and be really mean. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> any, like, fan and paper system, if, you're, if, if, if your games master wants to ruin it, they can. <laughs> they have that power. <laughs> uh, just, you know, yeah. don't. <laughs> it helps that you're around a table, so, you know, you get... You can kick rules. them in the shins. It's like, yeah, it's like that person in the fighting ga- in fighting games who spams the same move over and over again. Oh. <laughs> um, 
Uh, anyway, yes, I, I wish I had more to say, but I, uh, I, I, yeah, I've been in the middle of moving house, so I really haven't played much at all. Should Should you be unpacking right now? I should probably be building a bookcase right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, you could treat that as a game. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the League of Legends All Star Tournament. And I have also been playing Cloud Chamber, so we could talk about one of those. Yes. Either. Both of those. Uh, with the League of Legends thing, that was the um, Paris tournament. It's kind of like their mid-season, uh, like, international thingy. Um, so they, you know, like, the world's uh, the world championships come, like, a lot later. And they are, like, you know, the culmination of the um, LCS uh, competitions, like, the regional ones to, like, determine who's the best in the region. And then everyone goes to Worlds. And, you know, there's a big, uh, enormous event and so on and so on. Um, but the All-Star is kind of, it's at this point in the year. And it's to do with, you know, like, the, the people from the spring split. Uh, who've uh, been awesome get to go and compete but they also do like more sort of novelty stuff I guess Um, so they'll have uh, they had two teams like Team Fire and Team Ice which uh, were made up of like just um, sort of star players that the the um the audience had voted for and so they were sort of you know like um people who wouldn't normally play together but like had big fan followings and stuff like that from from each region and um like they had all these um game modes that obviously aren't aren't the usual for the competitive scene so you know like they had 1v1 stuff and they had um like hexakill like usually you only have five on each team and for this one you had uh six so they had like an extra couple of people and it sort of you know it was about it was actually there was a lot of killing um and they also had like you know uh this thing called ultra rapid fire which was you know like low cooldowns and you know like so essentially there was a lot of like chaotic but really sort of fun mm. play um and the crowd was awesome actually i must say like because previously like i've i've mostly focused on dota because it was the one that i chose and that my yeah. friends are into and I think that's essentially what what decides a MOBA for you really um, and so that's the one that I've ended up pouring my time into but but going to see it played was really interesting and like the fans were sort of super positive like to the point where they were cheering for like little minion kills and stuff <laughs> rather than like hero stuff or towers going down and stuff like that so the turrets um, yeah, but um, so like the the positivity and the the atmosphere was really good, and um, but also it was it was good being able to sort of sit and watch it and sort of see the ways in which it is different to Dota. Like there's a lot more sort of near misses and you know like it, there's a lot more sort of uh, darting around. Like so it it feels a lot more kind of. Um, I don't know whether that sort of makes it more fun for a casual observer because, you know, like, so if you'd never seen either game before, you know, if you were presented with the one where people made all these, like, sudden escapes um, Mm. on, like, tiny, tiny health, like, is that more interesting than, you know, uh, what happens in Dota, which is, you know, like, you are... 
you know, there are, there are characters that have escapes and are better at getting away from stuff than others. And you do end up with like amazing sort of, you know, tiny microscopic amount of health, you know, like uh, running away. But it, it just felt like that was more common in um, in League. And I was just wondering whether maybe people find that more exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd sort of be interested to speak to... Um, you know, maybe some people who've never seen it before, just sit them down in front of like uh, a match of Dota, a match of um, League of Legends, maybe some like uh, Counter-Strike and some World of Tanks (laughs) and stuff like that and just say, right, which one? (laughs) (laughs) Do you understand any of what's just happened? (laughs) Things like that. I think that would be really cool because like it would be really interesting to find out like which bits are accessible as well. Yeah. To to just a complete like noob, like my mum or something, maybe getting her to sort of sit down and watch some of it and just saying, Mum, did you understand any of that? <laughs> it's interesting. I saw some of something like that on Twitter recently where um uh Jack the Quits uh from uh Tall Trees mm. um who made um Castles in the Sky well, the thing was watching a Dota tournament for the first time and they're saying you know, people have said it's about as complicated as watching a baseball game, but I mostly understood the baseball game in this a giant purple troll ran out and screamed and everyone died. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really fun. The thing is, when I started watching League, um, the fact that I knew what was happening in Dota really helped because it just meant that I could see like the flow of a match and stuff mm. like that, even if I didn't know who the heroes were or, you know, their abilities or, you know, quite what the items did or anything. I was going to ask that actually, because um, I know, like I know, for instance, in Dota and Heroes of the Storm, a lot of the heroes are analogous, like the same in League of Legends. Or... Um, in what way? Like I'd say Heroes of the Storm, well... Well, yeah, I both, mean, well, both of them are, try, are in, in a way trying to do doing their own version well, of the original Dota classes to an extent. Mm, well, I haven't played the original, mm. like, but I mean, obviously Dota, like, they update original Dota mm. at the same rate that they update Dota 2. And so, mm. you know, the, the heroes are sort of being introduced at the same rate and there's some in original Dota that haven't made it to Dota 2 yet. And they're sort of working on them. But... um so I, I think that there are, I think we talked about this possibly before with Richard Cobbett, but um, so there are sort of heroes that feel similar across games or like certain sets of abilities that feel similar across games. So like in Dota, you've got a hero called Pudge who has a hook that you fling out and you bring somebody towards you and, you know, it... Um, it means that they are sort of stuck where you are and then you uh, have a, a, an ability where you sort of you ooze like noxious awfulness and it, you know, eats into, well, their health and yours and, and stuff like that. And then in um, Heroes of the Storm, they have... Um, oh, what's his name? Um, his name is... Stitches? Yeah, stitches. And what he does is he has this hook that he flings out and brings <laughs> someone towards you, and has like it, his uh, the the bile thing is slightly different in that you know it leaves a trail rather than just sort of uh, being a, an 
aura almost of awfulness around you um and you you know you can do a few other things that are slightly different but i and i was thinking actually i don't think it's a case of like trying to recreate the same heroes but it is a case of some abilities clearly having affinity so you know i i think it's a, a good thing to have a hero that can bring people towards them because it then means that you need to have heroes with other abilities like you know a way to get away from that or a way to hmm. to counter that damage and to sort of think about how they they work with each other but you know once you've got a hero that can bring someone towards them you need them not to then die instantly so you have to build them in a certain way just as a, as a basic character creation um and so if yeah like because if if you bring someone towards you and that's basically a suicide for you and not necessarily them mm -hmm. then you know that that's not a good well-designed character and so yeah like i think there might well be a, an element of you know recreating tropes and ideas that you've seen but there's a reason that they exist and that they've developed no i was just um because i i don't follow lane pushing games that much and i know i just knew that there's a lot of commonality between them um obviously and uh, i was just wondering because uh, specifically the heroes thing i'd seen s heroes that looked very similar cropping up and i was wondering a little bit about the logic behind it and whether it's common to all of them or just just dota and original dota and heroes of the storm i think i'm still not familiar enough with um with the league like cast of of characters like you know there are there are ones that i sort of see and read about that i'm kind of like oh that would actually be really interesting to play and like mm. you know it it does make me more inclined to play league and sort of see how they work and um you know like learn different sets of abilities and stuff like that same with them um, with heroes of the storm actually um so yeah like there is crossover in that sense as in you know you do find things feeling familiar or you know whatever else but I don't know I, I I think that that can actually be I don't know it means that it's kind of easy to move from one to the other in some ways I mean you know you, you won't know the meta you won't know you know half the other abilities but you can kind of get a feel for the shape of a hero or like what you're supposed to be doing with them yeah mm. <laughs> so yeah so it was a really good experience a really positive one I think um, yeah and then I climbed the Eiffel Tower so there you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <gasps> wow, did, you, did you get right to the top? no like so like the event had ended and I was you know like I had a bit of time to kill for my train so I just thought I'm going to work out how the metro works and I'm going <laughs> to go and climb the you know like this is completely like off my own bat I was like right okay well I'm gonna go over here then um and so I went to the the leg of the tower that had like the smallest queue and <laughs> it was because it was um you know there was no like elevator or anything I think I think it was you know because it was the one that was stairs only <laughs> and so I was like okay fine it's only five euros I'm, I'm gonna climb this um and that takes you as far as like the second stage which is maybe like halfway up the tower it's the bit before you have to get in the lift to go up yeah. to the top you know um, but that was like more than enough to like see for miles and miles and miles and yeah I just I really liked it although uh, like when I was there that bit was really crowded so I actually really enjoyed 
the bits on the stairs more like you know where I was just like looking out through girders and like trying to look in the innards of of the um the structure and stuff it was really cool I just remember something I was actually gonna say when you asked me to <coughs> what I've been playing recently and then forgot to do uh which was that I've actually been trying I've actually been trying to make a game recently I've been um doing a game chef which is a tabletop game jam which mm. runs for, uh, started on Friday and this Sunday, I think, or Monday. Um, so me and a friend have been putting ideas between us about tabletop games. We're trying to... The thing we're working on at the moment, it's a, the idea is that it's a sort of werewolf-resistance-style party game that is played over like uh, the course of a dinner party. Mm. Um, and because it, it gives you a bunch of uh, odd things. Like the theme for this... Uh, this uh, game jam was there is no book and the ingredients which you have to pick at least two of to include were glitter sickle Mm -hmm. wild and absorb (laughs) which is a really eclectic list of things so we ended up doing this thing about a masquerade ball uh in the last uh um in the last days uh, before the russian revolution hence glitter and sickle uh So that's what it's supposed to be. You have your dinner party with your masks on and everyone has these sort of little spy-like tasks they have to fill out in between. So you'll get your random identity on a little card or sealed envelope or note that'll tell you that you're a communist agent and you need to pass this uh, this um, intel to another communist agent. But you don't know who is actually another communist agent. You have to figure that out. And if you get caught by the royalists, then... Um, <laughs> well, we're working on exactly what happens then. But <laughs> and essentially, the people, people who complete the most of their goals without being caught will win. So I would be so bad at that kind of thing, because <laughs> I would laugh. I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face. <laughs> so, yeah, the idea is that it would be played over dinner as well. So, you'd, like, you'd get your roles for the, during the starter, and then you'd play the main game during dessert, and then you'd announce who you caught at, over, over uh, dessert and figure out who won. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been working on lately and really need to do more work on this this weekend if I'm actually going to make the deadline <laughs> um, cool no that's very really interesting uh, let us know how it goes like what happens do like, they evaluate it for you or like once you've submitted it I guess what then yeah there is actually a judging panel in this one I can't remember if there's actually any prizes or not but they do announce winners and like some um, some really interesting stuff has come out of there before. Uh, like um, previous winners include, uh, like uh, there was a game called uh, Durant's, which is about um, charting uh, about um, a like penal colony on a uh, colonized planet, uh, which was made by Jason Morningstar, who made the f- who made uh, Fiasco, which is a very well known like rules like RPG. So there's yeah, it's just really interesting. There's a bunch of games that have come out of there that are really cool and stuff like that. And the judging people are usually some um, well, usually some well-known indie RPG makers. So it should be interesting. I'm not sure if we'll do very well. Mm-hmm. To be honest, we haven't been that creative about uh, you know not using a book, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but that's because we st- that's because we were struggling for ideas and then we settled on this one, which sounded cool. It does sound cool. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it won't be. It won't be very rigorously tested because, well, they can't be in a jam. But at some point afterwards, we'll probably try and do a dinner party and see if it actually works or not. <laughs> cool. Well, good luck. I hope it goes well. 
Um, you wanted to talk about Cloud Chamber, didn't you? Yes. Uh... <laughs> I'm going for the straightforward segue there. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. It's um, I was reviewing it for PCG, uh, and it's oh, previewing it. Sorry. Um, and what it is is it's a mystery, like a cosmic mystery involving you know a signal from outer space and a mysterious death and things like that. Um, and what you have is a whole heap of like uh, media files that have been uploaded and sort of scattered around these um, uh, landscapes in on the in the browser. Uh, interface and uh you have to watch them and discuss them and and piece together what you think happened it's similar to an arg uh kind of arrangement um but it's to my mind a lot more like when you used to or you know maybe people still do um watch cult tv shows and then go on like you know the bbc cult message boards and then you know pick them apart and analyze Mm. them and Mm. you know talk about them and wait for the next installment and and sort of you know Mm. go into minute detail and stuff like that so yeah like how you feel about that kind of thing and how you feel about um because one of the things is that i was asking how they avoid spoilers and stuff like that and um yeah like they were talking about how you don't really ever get the developers saying this is the thing that happened Mm. um so there's always a certain amount of uncertainty and all you have is uh all you can judge for how how well you think you've answered it is how convinced you are and how convinced other people are by your explanation Mm. so yeah like and and i've been thinking about this because i was trying to work out whether i felt that that was not exactly a cop-out but you know a sort of i i think it i think it's easier to produce something enigmatic and confusing than to tie it up in a satisfactory way but then again, but then again, Does like it niggle when at you, you though. I was later thinking, was I right? Um, I'm more enjoying just the sort of because it's got good production values and stuff like that. So I'm um, enjoy. I, I haven't really been participating much in the debates because I've just been, you know, uh, enjoying thinking about it in my own head. Mm. So yeah. When you say it's enigmatic, do you mean it's in like? It's like, oh, there could have been a couple of different ways to take this, or do you mean as just as in like, whoa, this is really weird, and it could mean anything? Uh, the stage that I'm at is more that so the the snippets are quite short, and then as you progress through, you start encountering bits that clearly dovetail with things that you saw earlier, mm. um, and have just been sort of segmented out for whatever reason. And you start, there is a, a sense of a coherent narrative. Like it, it doesn't feel just like random things thrown together. Um, but the sort of the enigmatic nature, certainly early on, is rooted in the fact that you are just not getting much of the 
the full picture you know you're sort of only seeing i don't know a minute long clip and and then it stops and so that you know there's there's not really much that you can glean from it and so you you sort of delve a bit deeper or start watching other things that might augment it or might um feed into it in in other ways and they start chaining up i was just wondering because you know in terms of like debating over enigmatic endings and whether or not it's cough out and stuff like that i remember like i i think i think two people like debating the ending of inception or or something like that and it's like that's not the point you can't solve it it's not supposed to be solved yeah. <laughs> um but i i, I don't know it's, it's it's kind of hard to understand from the way you're from uh, without playing it myself exactly whether it's that kind of thing or not well i don't know because i when i used to watch stuff like the x-files i didn't particularly feel any need to unpick it with other people like i had my own thoughts about what i thought a certain thing meant or how i thought it was going to play out or you know whatever else um and so i was sort of you know i'd I'd go onto the message boards and have a little look but it was mostly to sort of just right. yeah I okay guess. No, no, yeah I'm, I'm getting you now because uh with um with the x-files it's more that there was clearly something that would be revealed except mm. it wasn't ever in a very satisfying was it, way was it never revealed yeah, I, I, I didn't they, watch they, the they end of it. They did answer it at the end, I think. Yeah, just it wasn't yeah. very satisfying when they did. Well, it that's never the is, problem, though. Like, that's why part of what I was thinking was that maybe it would be more satisfying to have a, a slightly ambiguous em- ending than mm. to have an author try and answer it because once you've invited people to speculate they'll have come up with their own theories and they'll have come up with things that they think are a better way to do it or you know like basically they'll just get attached to an idea or a theory or whatever because they've worked on it they've actually put an effort in themselves rather than having to just watch it unfold and have no say in it and so once that's the contract that you've set up with them perhaps it's more fair or more satisfying an experience to to not tie up all the ends because then it it you don't get disappointed in the same way when it doesn't conform to your exact thoughts yeah. and yeah and by inviting that speculation you have the problem where you don't know necessarily know how to respond to it like i mean the lost that was the whole lost problem wasn't it is that you know you get these fan theories and they they either like they either they come up with their own thing and maybe it's Maybe it's worse than what you've got. Maybe it's better. Or they get it right and you're like, well, damn, now that they know it, I've got to change it. And then the change, is, the change one isn't as satisfying as the original and it's a whole mess. Uh, I know, yeah. It's uh, it's it's awkward. It's Yeah, it's an awkward thing. But then again, there are very few games that are ambiguous in any way. So it's, I guess it's nice to see someone experimenting with them. I know that they weren't thinking of it as a game particularly mm. uh, to start with. You know, it was more, you know, this is a, just a different way to tell stories and things just that happen to use the internet and sort of use ideas like, yeah, ARGs and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of, it, it's interesting. Um, but I, yeah, 
uh, it led to me thinking about the other stuff like you know I guess the the contract that you're setting up with your audience and how best to fulfill that and and sort of what constitutes um I guess good authorial behavior <laughs> like once you start telling a story are you obliged to finish it properly properly you know in in air quotes <laughs> yeah but once obviously once it reaches a certain point it's extremely hard to come up with an ending that will satisfy everyone well the thing is like that's um I, I guess you avoid that by having the stuff set up from the beginning like you are always supposed to be working towards an end goal and I think that's part of the problem with um, the way US TV is is commissioned like you go season by season and so if, if a show is popular then they'll commission more seasons and you either stretch it out really thin or you answer the initial thing and then try and you know create a new mystery to like span over a few more seasons or like you know it sort of ends up mm. well it's another thing that uh, or... there was the, yeah there was a big a lot of people talking about recently because of um how i met your mother which clearly had an idea where it was going to finish when it began and mm. then lasted way longer than it thought it did and other and new things emerged to... and then the original ending was no longer satisfying <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to like didn't have to like fake out people a bit and you know like I yeah it was but the, the the ending that was envisioned when the series began after years of people watching and people reading in their own things and you know stuff emerging and uh things like that no longer fit <laughs> mm. but yeah so you just end up with these situations and I think that that's that the way that you need to avoid that is to just sort of have an idea of either have an idea that can be stretched to accommodate that and know how you're going to avoid those pitfalls or you you sort of stick to the plan that you had and you know that doesn't mean being completely inflexible but it does mean that you don't sort of overstretch it or fuck it up or do weird things that invalidate the premise of your ending you know that kind of stuff should I have some questions? Yes. Do you have any? Uh, see, I have a few. I think you have a few as well. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've mostly got what seems yeah. to be uh, a yeah, friend think... having a bad day, followed by other people like teasing him. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah, to be honest, I think most of our, our, our questions are jokes. But okay, here's <laughs> a serious one from uh, Laura Kate Dale, who asks: uh, Microsoft revealed two bits of news that. Uh, I would have expected at E3. Is that a sign of a confident Microsoft? Does she mean the uh, things about like the um... Halo and the Connect being ditched? I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would assume that for the Connect being well, the Connectless Xbox bundle or whatever they're referring to it as, essentially that's going to be a problem sales-wise for them for the next couple of weeks until it actually happens and i think that that must have just been because it was going to get leaked so they had to announce it that's possible uh, i assume yeah. anyway because like when they did the titanfall one they only announced that like the day before because they bundled yeah they bundled the xbox one with titanfall and i think they announced that like really really close to to the the launch of it and so um the launch of the game sorry mm. and so i yeah based on that i would and the fact that like you know if there is going to be a lower priced version of the console coming out soon 
the the next few weeks of sales are gonna like you know drop off a cliff really aren't they well people wait and go well i'll get the one without the thing that people were worried were gonna spy on us then shall i that's a bit cheaper so i just yeah like i i i don't think that's a confidence thing i think so does it actually come out around the time of e3 actually so they probably were planning on announcing it then it's uh yeah early june isn't it yeah so yeah i think yeah, like I said, I don't think it's a confidence thing so much as it is just a business necessity if, if someone yeah. was going to leak it or if, yeah. It's also worth saying that whatever. I am absolutely, you know, it, there's a terrible urge amongst games journalists to occasionally try and put your business hat, analyst hat on and pretend <laughs> we have any fucking idea what these console manufacturers are doing, but we, I don't. Thanks, way to invalidate the last few minutes of what I've been <laughs> I, saying. I changed it to I. <laughs> so no i think you're right actually um uh but i was gonna say in terms of like trying to say try, trying to psychoanalyze whether an early announcement means they're confident or whatever i i don't know i mean they announced almost everything about the xbox one before e3 last year didn't they and then they didn't really have anything to show <laughs> so who knows maybe that means they've got some se- big secret up their sleeve maybe, maybe they're just fed up of it let's not do a big conference this year guys let's <laughs> just announce it Maybe it's yeah. just cheaper, like, oh, I don't want to fly all the way there. Or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to talk to these journalists. And they're all mean to us. <laughs> again, Halo 5 is one of those announcements that's kind of like, it's so obvious, it's like they'd already announced it already. It's like, yeah, yeah of course yeah. there's going to be a new Halo game at some point. There were so yeah, many I tweets haven't... that were just basically like, popular game gets sequel. headline (laughs) i still get excited i'm I'm probably not going to get halo 5 and i wasn't really that taken with halo 4 but when i hear that music come up when like when the room goes silent and the music comes on and it's it's going to be a halo i I get those tingles but that's about it now (laughs) i did slag halo off a bit on the last uh, podcast but it does have very good music it does Um, um, I wonder if they'll announce this one with something as brilliantly preposterous as the man encased entirely in a spacesuit walking through a desert with a cloak on. Yeah, so maybe Dave. So, yeah, to be honest, that's the weird thing about E3. I don't, could never really understand how the companies approach it. For all I know, they are going to turn up and they won't have anything interesting to say now that they've announced Halo 5. Uh, or maybe they'll have some super secret thing up their sleeve. Maybe. Every, maybe now that motion gaming is kind of an Xbox less there. connect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I know it could. Um, maybe they'll suddenly announce that they've got a VR uh, a VR thing, and we'll know that that's the new motion gaming now. <laughs> mm. uh, who knows? No, the thing is, like, not it's pit, not like trust her business judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> Sorry, I was just joking about my <laughs> earlier dimension. Oh. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's not like people aren't going to watch the keynote speeches. So. I really want to have like an, an E3, uh, an e, a sort of uh, E3 party almost, like like when we're watching Eurovision. Cause we I wouldn't be bother. It'll just be like... everyone like crouched over their, um, over their smartphone trying to out snark each other. <laughs> But no, I want to bring everyone into the room so they don't have to do it online. 
They will though. They'll want a bigger audience. It's not like you know you get you get your big social traction. It's it's a it's a social traction event, Tom. Well, so would, if you would... ask them round your house, you'll just have to sit there and watch them tweet from their smartphone. This is what will happen. I'm telling well, you. Well, you know, we we had a party for Eurovision and people did tweet snark, but they also spoke snark and it mostly worked. <laughs> I'm used to people texting things on their phones while they talk to me now. This is the future we live in. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> It'll be about the time I'll have um, um, I'm actually have enough furniture to have a housewarming party as well. <gasps> well, indeed. <laughs> Any excuse for a party? Mm. Well, they're going to do uh, actually for Radius Festival, which got announced recently. They're going to have essentially everyone's just going to pile into Loading Bar and have a, a giant communal snark fest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened last year. That's what I was at. I was yeah. So- uh, if I lived in London, I would totally go there, but uh, it's kind of awkward for me to get down there and then get down there the next week for the actual festival, so I'll probably only do the latter. I would have really liked um, Sony to have announced a connectless uh, PS4. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Uh, like them just going, yeah, us we'll... too, we've got one of them already. We've been doing that for a while. <laughs> uh, at E3 after their last like upstage conference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that's all my thoughts on that I think okay. uh, Chris Higgins says if you were asked to be a centerfold in Gamer Girls magazine which Dark Souls player character would you cosplay have I missed a game journalism drama apparently <laughs> does anyone know about Gamer Girls magazine I guess I think we missed it yeah. I've seen it tweeted um, there's a Gamer Girls magazine basically and it's it's girls not wearing very much while holding controllers. Oh, that. Well, I mean, as in, like, uh, you say, oh, that, but, like, there's been countless blogs <laughs> and stuff like that, I guess. I think I saw something come up on um, the Twitter about it. A lot of people are very angry about it. But, but like, I, I just kind of feel like it's just porn. Like, you get girls dressed as construction workers, and they're clearly not construction Maybe workers. construction workers get really angry about that. They're big construction girls. <laughs> There's, like, all these, like, uh, appliance repairmen going, he's not really fixing the fridge. <laughs> or, like, people that coming... fridge isn't even plugged in. <laughs> people oh, coming around. Would it? That'd be really like... dangerous. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, can you imagine if there was like an emergency or something on um on the set of like a a, a nurse or a hospital porno, and they'd be like, <laughs> are there any doctors in the house? And like, you know, the guy who's actually pretending to be the porno doctor like puts his hand up and goes, no, I actually do have a medical degree. <laughs> that would That's be some weird awesome. porn. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> No, I was confused. I thought it was a game magazine for gamer girls, and they're asking me. Uh, but okay. <laughs> well, some some gamer girls might like you know. I don't you like can, the two gamer girls. You can answer that so question awful. if you'd like. To. I don't know enough <laughs> about Dark Souls. <laughs> Uh, I don't well, know. I think you failed, Chris, spectacularly with that answer. Well, I'm so. going to just say ceaseless discharge because it's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't even know if that is Dark Souls, but sure. Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> mean. <laughs> um, okay. I think I had one from Rory, but I can't find what page, what tab of my forest of tabs it is. Oh, yes. Um, 
Rory Porteous says, why is Dota so unfriendly to get into? I think we've probably talked a lot about the barriers to entry for MOBAs before, but I, I guess I would just say it's because they are wonderful because of the the complex systems and the complex interactions of systems that they generate but that can make it super daunting to a new player because you've got a hell of a lot of information to absorb and after your first couple of matches you can't tell so easily what went wrong you don't know what you did that Mm. was different to the people who are doing super well because you thought that you were trying to do the right things there's a counterintuitiveness to them as well i think compared to other games like if you treat if you start treating it like Diablo or something, which it kind of superficially resembles in like uh, in a few ways, then you won't do very well. I mean, it's like it's the only game I can think of in which choosing not to attack the enemies is quite an important part of it. Well, yeah, and also like the just because you've got a higher level than them doesn't mean that you get to go in and punch them in the face until they die. <laughs> you know, there's not that sort of simple one-to-one equation a lot of the time sometimes it works but so you you sort of it it does yeah it does run counter to what a lot of what you've learned perhaps in other games or other types of games it's the fact that that's it really yeah it's the fact that even though we call them lane pushing games it's almost like an experience management game that feels like a huge part of it (laughs) just uh you know uh, carefully deciding who attacks, who last hits, who denies, and who levels when is kind of like nine, half the game. Unless I guess Rory mentioned because the phrasing was "Why is it so unfriendly to oh. get to?" And maybe you know that could mean just the community. In which case, I would say that people aren't very good at dealing with frustration or dealing with <laughs> managing their expectations of other people, especially when they can't see them. And so there's just an awful lot mm-hmm. of aggression that comes out that you wouldn't have when you yeah there's a bunch of things about mobile games that i think kind of push people's buttons to an extent because it's it can take a while to lose you can you're very dependent on the other players all of that kind of makes abuse of it more likely although and dota does a bit to counteract it league of legends does a lot to counteract it Mm. that's really impressive there's actually um a really great article on online abuse and harassment by Laura Hudson for Wired recently. She talked a lot about the things, the uh, strategies that League of Legends has used to counteract it. I'll link to it in the show notes. Or you could also link to the article that I wrote on the same subject when I interviewed them about it. Or that. <laughs> Obviously that was a while ago. I forgot that happened. No, Laura's piece was interesting. <laughs> I just yeah, happened like... to have read the other one today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's just a chance to troll you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, they they do. I feel like I've been horrible to you this podcast. But just make sure <laughs> this is is the first one on the show notes. Mm. You're even. No, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, like um, the they just they do some really interesting things, and I think Valve do as well, and just um, like the report system is really interesting as well, and like just. I don't know. There's uh, Chris Thurston's written some interesting things about sort of how uh, you sort of have that responsibility to manage your own um, expectations and your own behaviour and, and things like that. So and, uh, there's, there was also since we're going to conclude every, all the articles in the world now. Uh, there was also Cara's <laughs> really interesting thing on why um, what was it called? The one that didn't actually become that the moment that, that didn't really become that successful. 
because it had the worst worst community. Mm. Um, uh, Heroes of New Earth. Oh, that one. Why that community became so toxic? Mm. I think it. The the thing is, it's not actually that different from a lot of comment threads as well. You know, like I think Nathan Grayson was talking about, or like he wasn't talking about that specifically, but he was saying that sometimes when you write stuff online, some of the responses you get are essentially the responses that people would give you in real life if they hadn't engaged their sort of need to uh, take a moment and calm the hell down right now or talk to a friend and get them to talk me down before I address this. Like the internet sort of bypasses that that uh, decision to filter sometimes yeah. or for some people. And like, you know, it's I think you need to constant, uh, consciously decide to re-engage it sometimes. And MOBAs are, are just sort of another way of people online behaving badly I don't think it's peculiar to MOBAs it's essentially what happens in comment threads on so many articles across 99% of the internet you know <laughs> or on you know Twitter arguments that escalate rapidly and bizarrely um, angrily you know yes <laughs> so I don't know I, uh, yeah <laughs> uh, we actually have an email question so I'm just going to I'm going to read that out because we don't get very many. Um, it's from uh, Ben Munro who talks about um, uh, talks all about how he doesn't have that much time to play games recently, uh, lately and he, when he does he t- tends to go back to the same kind of comfort games. In his case it's Skyrim but he compares it to playing Dota 2 or something like that. Um, he says, uh, so basically... Do you think I'm uh, missing out? And, and he sees other people talking about new releases and things like that. He doesn't feel he has time. He, he could really keep up with. So he says, so basically, do you think I'm missing out by filling my gaming time with a game that's nearly five years old? Do you ever think the same about Dota? Hmm. Um, I think... I, I wrote about this a little while ago, like a couple of days, that I felt like I was using Dota in some unhelpful ways uh last year uh to deal with depression and um i the the thing that i had the biggest problem with was the point at which i felt i had stopped learning that's when it became Mm. a problem and that's when it became apparent that i wasn't dealing with things very well and was sort of using it as a comfort blanket rather than a, a game even yeah and so i think that uh I guess it depends what you want out of a game because sometimes that's a, a very valuable thing to have. Like it's a, a, a safe place almost and, and somewhere that you can hide out and and sort of regroup a little bit. But um, I think for me, I love the games that I love and, and will carry on loving them for years and years because I'm still getting new things out of the experience. It's when it, when it seems to stagnate that I feel like it's actively a problem. Um, yeah. And so that's why you don't necessarily have to play new games to have those different experiences or to mm. sort of keep learning or to keep finding different things to, yeah. to love about them. But I think, um, yeah, it, it it's just a problem when you're getting absolutely nothing from them. They're just a sort of a holding space that is killing time. Yeah, and there's downsides to playing a lot of new things as well. I mean, I know some games are essentially 
play a new game until they kind of get it and then they stop. And that's, you know, that, that, so they have loads of games that they've played like an hour of. And that to me often sounds really unsatisfying in that you don't follow three if, through if there's like another extra level to it. You're never going to see that. Um, especially, and you know, that, that works well for maybe that could work maybe work for mechanical games but it's not as anywhere near as good for like narrative uh, story driven ones so yeah there's there's downsides on the other on the other side too to never having those deep experiences um and there are games that absolutely support that um there's a whole like I said there's a whole level to Dota that I've I've basically decided that I don't really have the time to ever get into any at the time or the inclination to ever get into an esport, and mm. there's a load I miss out on by doing that. A load of conversations, a load of social events, a load of um, friend groups. Um, I, instead, I have like uh, instead, I, there's a lot of stuff I get by I, I get from all the other games I play instead. But um, you know, I'm still losing out on something. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like you know, you can never really keep up with everything anyway. So, you know, you do always, always find ways to filter stuff. Whether you know, like you might, you might take in a lot more new games than someone else, but you know, you're you're still not taking in all games, or you're maybe sticking with a particular genre or a particular. No, no one's been able to like actually have even a reasonable like representable. You know, maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you could maybe have played a reasonable proportion like a representative proportion of the ga- all the games that were out lately that is just impossible now you're going to mm. make a choice either way you're going to be sacrificing something mm. so I don't know what was um, was he asking like should he quit how to like... get out of that rut or was it more just whether whether it, we thought it was a rut at all or you know like what what was the question again like I want to, you know, I'd like to advance. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, read <laughs> I'll read the full thing. Um, I really enjoyed your discussion in the last episode on the games that you pour endless hours into, particularly uh, Dota 2. I have the same problem with uh, currently with Skyrim. I am currently 70 hours into my uh, playthrough and don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Sometimes I kind of feel like I'm missing out when I hear much of the game press discussing experiences with the latest releases. I feel like I should branch out and try new games, but like yourselves, I have limited gaming time. So when I finally do pick up the pad. Uh, I know I'll enjoy endless fun of Skyrim rather than getting burned by some new release that might not be that good. Um, mm. Sorry, basically, do you think I am missing out by filling my gaming time with a game that's nearly five years old? Uh, do you ever feel the same about Dota? Okay, cool. Yeah, it sounds like he's actually still really enjoying it. You know, like it, it, he's going back to it because Skyrim it's is a, one of those games of... that is very good at offering a lot of fresh experiences within one game. Mm. Um, mm. Just to, firstly, in terms of the amount of stuff that's in there, and then obviously, if you're modding it heavily, then you are gambling on new things all the time. You're seeing if you know this crazy new armor mod will actually be any good, or whether it'll be some weird anime tits thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah so but like i think as well at the moment you know you can there are a lot of uh demos and stuff that you can just download or like have a bit of a poke around with or you can watch trailers and stuff to sort of see or or let's plays or whatever you know to sort of see whether you think mm. that it's something that you're going to enjoy so like even if um you don't want to get burnt by having spent i don't know 30 or 40 quid and i don't even think it's the money so much as the time and at least the, the way he well yeah it. that was going to be my next sentence sorry um, <laughs> but like you know you, you, even if you're sort of worried about getting those 
things um, like, you know, financially and time wise, then you could still maybe see whether there's a different way to at least experience a couple of minutes of it and and see whether you're intrigued or, you know, whether it's just a case of, oh, there's another game that I probably won't play and just sort of finding a way to reconcile yourself with that. Yeah, I think a lot of people use like Let's Plays in that fashion because they'll often be showcasing new and interesting games and they'll go out and it's almost like a kind of DJ thing if they'll go out and find the interesting stuff for you. Mm. Um, so that might and be And you'll way. get a yeah, you'll get a feel for how the game plays rather than like mm. a trailer where you, you might not necessarily I mean, I know that there's a lot of uh, controversy around Let's Plays anyway, but um, you know, broadly speaking, if you find, you know, uh a video and just sort of watch and, and see whether you think it gives a, a representation of, of how the game plays and if you'd like to play that game really so yeah I mean yeah like I said there's there's an, a real abundance of very cheap and very short games now that um, if you're picking stuff up in a humble bundle or whatever then you've not outlaid very much money and if you're not feeling it within um, you know 20 minutes half an hour you can stop no one's really no one's going to judge you It's it's your time <laughs> Mm. it's weird because like um i remember when i was a kid and people used to you know like um friends used to come around and you'd be able to like swap games with them or you know like play a little bit of whatever they had when when you went around to their house and you know it's the the way digital distribution works i mean i know that steam have like family sharing and there's stuff like that but you know it, it it doesn't quite feel the same way and so you know there are just other avenues that you can explore you know what i've seen a couple of communities do on that is sometimes kind of do like a book club thing of mm-hmm. we're all going to play the get this game this month and then discuss it um which could be an interesting way to see new things and have a conversation about them maybe um okay that's uh we've got a few more questions but we'll have to uh answer those in another week i'm afraid uh so thanks for everyone especially everyone who uh mocked ben you're the best fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to email, we have an email address, which is... Tom, you're going to need to tell them the email address because I can't remember it. It's notagamepodcast.gmail.com not... Ah, awesome. Or you can find us at notagamepodcast on the Twitter. So there you go. It's all right. I, I won't stop you from doing the social media thing like, like Craig did. You, you can tell well, you, you tell them your own Twitter if you like. No, no, I'm not doing that because that was just like a step too far. Apparently, got judged for it. God, heaven forbid I try and like spread the word. Jeez. But you should follow uh, Craig Lager at uh, Craig Lazaliya on Twitter. <laughs> We're gonna mark it for you. But like I need to not. tell him that I'm really good at Counter-Strike and that he should just give up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, shall we say goodbye? Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.